Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? What? That's how I feel. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Hello, and welcome to The Reformatory, the podcast where we engage in all things theology, life, and delicious snacks found in church cabinets. This is true. My name is Josh Loftus. I am one of your hosts. I am said other host, Jack Berry, enjoying these unspeakable acts of snackness right Dude, now. Dude, <laughs> seriously, I know. I So, so okay, warning, warning. Warning <laughs> to people's earwaves at the moment, but dude, listen. Yeah, yep. it's crunchy. It's healthy, and it tastes like popcorn. Three ingredients. Wait, how many? Three. Wait, that's it. Three ingredients. I got to see this. Yep, it's on the package. What? Okay, three ingredients. Methamphetamine. Oh crap. Okay, <laughs> we should probably stop. <laughs> Drugs. More drugs. <laughs> drugs. Drugs. More drugs. Y- y- y'all got any more of them corn poppers? <laughs> anyway, uh, Jack, how you doing, my man? Doing well. We're doing just well. Uh, hanging out here in good old Tacoma, Washington today. That's right. Um, lovely, lovely Tacoma. Yes. It is very fall right now. It right is. Now. It is. It is not the typical f- Pacific Northwest fall where it's like, Windy and rain. It's nice. It's sunny outside. There's a breeze within the air. You know, and it doesn't smell like the ground. No, it doesn't smell like no. death. It's not the aroma isn't out. No. So, so for people <laughs> that that do not live in Washington or specifically Tacoma, um, there is something known affectionately by locals called the Tacoma aroma. Uh huh. And it is a real thing, where you drive through Tacoma, and it smells like um, something died. Dead fish. <laughs> Dead fish. Yeah. Is that so? What exactly is it? Is it a factory? Because there's know. something that's pumping out something. It yeah. is. It is. It is ripe, dude. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. It's bad. Like and the thing is, I'll be driving through Tacoma. Yeah. And I'll remember it too late. Yeah. I'll remember to not turn on the uh, oh. the the uh, what do they call it? The recirculation air oh. in my car. <laughs> Game and, over, it'll, baby. And, and it'll already be in. I'll be like, no, yeah. no, I forgot. 
I don't know what it is. What is it? I think it's the I think it's the combination probably of just the tide flats because our our little kind of Tacoma Sound area commencement bay, it'll have a particular waft to it. And I think yeah. that on top of I think there's some other like chemical plants that are like right down in that area too that are going on. I'm not saying it's like the Simpsons where we're dumping nuclear waste into the freaking into the I don't know, flats, dude. but it smells it smells it smells like you're dumping it, something uh, dead. There's some days where man, it smells like dead ripe fish in the morning. Like it is strong. Yeah. And on a summer day, when that happens, oh man, that is like when it gets hot whew. in Tacoma, um you drive up to Everett. <laughs> I don't know if Everett's a good way of getting out. Everett's great, dude. Everett's fantastic. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like Everett is like the walking dead if you had meth Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Coming from Tacoma. Talking about... Don't... don't Look, the only... It's just the the OK Corral here, baby. The only city in Washington State that is not allowed to make fun of Everett's drug problem is Tacoma. <laughs> you are literally the only one. Okay, we are on Cops a lot from yeah, the reruns of Cops. You are. So, okay. You're on that live PD. Like, oh, yeah, there's Tacoma again. Pretty sure I saw Jack in the background somewhere. Dude, I saw more around. Spokane people on that show than uh, I saw yeah. Tacoma people. Dude, live PD. I, I don't know what it is about that show. I love it. I can't get enough of just I don't know if it's because I grew up like around the type of people that are getting arrested on that show (laughs) where it like brings back some like sweet nostalgia to me but I can't get like my wife doesn't get it she's just like why why are we watching this I'm just like I can't I can't look away it's reality tv man that's like that's our country but it's reality tv that's real I mean like even reality tv isn't real okay yeah like this is reality tv that's like actually real <laughs> and i love it yeah i mean i get it okay you know you know you know what else you know what else is real we got through the debate season oh my gosh we got through no no, I, isn't there one, no 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 there's one more tonight right well yeah but when this air when, when this, when this airs, airs we will have gotten through so let's yeah. let's put our mind in the in the realm of we have made it past the debate season doesn't it feel good i mean not really because then we have the election to deal with right (laughs) and then that's going to be the reckoning because you know man nobody okay nobody in this country nobody in the united states of america will let people off the hook they will always drag them by the leash and say oh yeah we in charge now baby we gonna do this thing the way we want to do it oh my gosh (laughs) i'm just saying dude i feel like dude so you know what I was so happy. The happiest I have been in probably three months. I found out how to turn off the have you voted reminders on Facebook. Oh, my gosh. You did? I did. I found it out and I shared it. That post blew up. I have never had more compliments and thank yous on Facebook in my life. That's surprising, too. It's been great. I've had no more like, have you voted? Have you voted? Have you voted? Like, yes, yes. Well, no, I haven't yet, actually. I so literally have my ballot, and I've <laughs> yeah, put I have down my ballot three too. different, basically all the tax measures. I said, nope, reject, reject, reject. I'm oh, a, yeah, I mean, I'm that's definitely easy. going would full like libertarian to, on that. Would you like to increase taxes? No, um, no, 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 no. Thank you. 
and our our state is kind of weird because we actually I feel like there's a check and balance. It's like this was done without the will of the people. It's like okay, well the will of the people me says uh no. I say no. <laughs> Exercise my <laughs> God given privilege to vote. <laughs> I almost said Those right. Are my rats. <laughs> I said right. My rats. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but my rats, though. Dude, these corn popcorners, the crunchy and wholesome popcorn snack. I can't get enough of these. I don't they know what it is. They need to sponsor about. us now. Huh? They need to sponsor us now. Dude, seriously. Pop popcorners, we know you're listening. We know you are. Faithful listeners. Sponsor we know you us. got at least one employee that's a Christian that listens to the reformatory. Seriously. <laughs> the popcorner is that one is that one KG sixteen eighty nine listening to the reformatory on on the conveyor line. It's just uh, he's like, oh, We made it. <laughs> popcorners. We made it. <laughs> all right. All right. Anyway, let's let's actually get to what, what we're talking about here. Um, so I'm gonna tone this down a little bit. Uh, going to be continuing our series in church hurt slash spiritual abuse. Um, and we wanted to take a more unique uh, road trip, if you will, through this series in that, again, we, we want it to be mainly focused on the local church, how people in the local church, how this happens in the local church, how to deal with it in the context of the local church. So we wanted to view church hurt and spiritual abuse through three main um, three main avenues three main uh, perspectives that's the word I'm looking for I couldn't I couldn't think of it and Jack didn't help me at all mm, um, sorry yeah that's okay that's okay <laughs> uh, so what what we're gonna be looking at today is spiritual abuse through the eyes of the one that is causing the abuse. Yeah. Through the perspective of the abuser themselves, um, let's start off with Jack. Why? Why is it important that we view spiritual abuse through the one that is actually doing the abuse? Because I feel like everyone just starts with the individual that is yeah. being abused, and it kind of stops there. Why? Yeah. Why is it important to take this this specific route? Okay, so this specific route is going to be definitely unique and different. And when Josh and I were talking about this, it's like, man, it's like, have we ever even thought about the abuser and what goes in their mind first? Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Usually, a lot of people don't. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I've never put myself in the shoes of the abuser. Yeah, like I like to think that I would never be in that case, but you know, but it makes you think. But for the grace of God, yeah, right? it makes you think, and I think that that helps us understand and identify what may be going on in their mind first. And trying to understand where they're coming from and how the abuse is going to be directed and how the abuser is going to act. I think trying to understand it from that route first is a good way of starting out because then uh, maybe the who is getting ab abused is going to understand it differently, but then also hopefully... Uh, we can be prayerful about this, the person that is the abuser in this certain way. So definitely not going to be the easiest route to go off of first because the no. abuser is going to always be looked at as the the person who brought hurt, the person who brought pain, and that, that's totally understandable, and I can understand where we're coming from with that. But I think if we understand the abuser first, we can understand the abused as well too. So. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's important that we 
look into the perspectives of both in order to gain a more well-rounded and biblical understanding of how we as Christians should be dealing with spiritual abuse when it happens to either us or people that that we love in in our local church. So we aren't going to just be playing like the oh the the abuser is misunderstood he's 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 like no 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 yeah, we're we doing that no no we're towing the line we're going to call out sin when sin happens uh, and we're going to say very i believe harsh but necessary things in this episode um because the person that is engaging in the abuse uh, especially especially if they are in a position of leadership in the church that is a very, very serious thing. Yeah. Um, and not something that should be talked about or taken lightly. Um, because of your, your, when you do that, you are messing with some pretty, uh, some pretty holy fire, if you will. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, trying to do the work, uh, the, the hard, difficult job that I honestly, I don't like doing Putting, putting myself into the abuser's shoes, trying to understand the motives yeah. uh, of what would get me to the point of abusing somebody spiritually. I don't like this, Jack. Well, yeah. <laughs> this hurts. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think first and foremost, something that needs to be said about the person doing the abuse is that ultimately it is a it is a egregious distortion of the gospel and the person of Christ as our shepherd mm -hmm. um, I think spiritual abuse casts a uh, I don't even want to say negative light because it's not strong enough. Yeah. Ca cast a lie about the gospel, possibly stronger than anything. Yeah. I think I'll, as well, too. Um, it's, it's tough trying to think about this because this is where we don't want to go. But um, there's so many scriptural... Um, go-tos where God continuously goes back to the people that he put in leadership and how much of a, a anger God will have on those people if they lead the people into sin. And so to try and put ourselves in that kind of place is no easy task, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Um, second of all, trying to understand where the abuser is coming from uh, that's going to be hard as well too, because we don't know the hearts of men necessarily, but there are patterns in which we see in abusers, which we would probably say, okay, this is most likely what they're thinking and what they're doing when they're coming from this and trying to abuse people spiritually. Right. Which is ironically a, a huge, uh, which is ironically one of the more common arguments that the abuser will make is that, well, you don't see my heart. You can't see my motives. You don't know what I was thinking when I said or did these things. You can't come at me and say that I'm wrong 
because uh, you can't see my heart. Only God can see my heart. Yeah. Right. Um, and although that is true, um, we are called not to judge the hearts of men. That is that is God's job. He, only he is able to do that. Mm-hmm. We are called to judge actions. And we are to call people out. Yes. If they have absolute, if you have witnesses and you've seen ser- uh, spiritual abuse, then there's no doubt about it that you're, you're called to call that out. Yeah. Yeah. We are called as Christians to confront sin when we see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Matthew 18 gives us the process of how that's done biblically, but it should be done. And I think spiritual abuse is something that needs to be called out uh, because um, of the distortion that it gives the gospel and the individuals that are in the position of leadership in a church. They are representing Christ. Yeah. To Christ's people. Mm -hmm. And when now, obviously, none of us uh, that are in that position are going to be perfect. We are all flawed um, uh, um, under shepherds of the great shepherd that is Christ. But when it gets to the level of habitual sin and abuse within the church, the light and, 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 and the, the, the depiction of Christ that that gives is, is horrific. Yeah. And it requires confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think just... Um there is a seriousness that everybody has to take in leadership, especially if you're in pastoral leadership, but even I take as a deacon. Oh yeah. Um, to where it's like, man, I have to be, um, I have to be on my, I have to be on my toes, so to say. And that's supposed to be in a good way. Basically I have to be looking out, making sure that I'm not getting sideswiped by something. But then on top of it, it's like, how am I leading men within my small group? How am I interacting with other people? What do I need to change? I think I think this goes back to if a leader does not have a receptive heart towards confession and repentance, then that person is going to be calloused if they're called out. They're going to say, no, that's not me. They're going to come back and say, no, 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 versus... Uh, if I, if somebody calls me out and says, you hurt me in this way, it's like, well, first of all, um, let's take some time to walk through that and what happened mm-hmm. and trying to hear out the other side of the story versus I think the, the abuser that we're talking about that we're kind of putting to light is somebody who is just going to stonewall you yeah. and say, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I am the authority here. You right. are the, you are the follower do not touch the Lord's anointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kind of attitude. Right. That's a completely different attitude than a leader who is like uh, a very, uh, a one of um, tender heart. Uh, I would say just how the Lord changes us to um, where he takes out our heart of stone and puts out a heart of flesh. Mm. Does your leader have a heart of flesh? Yeah. Especially towards people when they come up to that, when they come up to him and particularly say, Hey, you sinned against me in this way. Well, right. let's walk. I think the, the healthy leader is going to say, let's walk through that. Right. And let's talk about this versus I think the abuser that we're talking about is like, no, 
is going to stonewall you and then right. on top of it throw it back on you and guilt and shame you because you're the person that's trying to bring this harm against me. So Well, and when they do that, uh, they aren't counting the cost of what's going to happen. They they have their agenda, their their ego, their insecurities, a certain perception that they want from individuals as they're they have all of those things as their main focus mm-hmm. and not what they have been called to do as shepherds, the love and care and leadership of the flock. Yeah. Right. And a leader, you know, a shepherd that <clears throat> leads his sheep through the iron fist and the stick is not going to be an effective leader. Mm-hmm. He might scare the sheep into doing what he wants. Yeah. But he is in no way um, emulating the grace and the long suffering and the humility that Christ calls church leaders to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's all he's doing is, is, is setting himself up as the, the barometer of what's right and what's wrong. And and he doesn't count the cost of damage to the sheep. Um, And like, like we were saying, you know, a, a major red flag and a major characteristic of the abuser is that they do see themselves might, might not say it, but but it becomes obvious through actions. They see themselves as being above critique. Yeah. And they see themselves as, you know, anytime someone comes to them with a complaint, uh, whether it's valid or not. Yeah. You know, because a lot of pastors get a lot of people talking to them about things that, that that that's just not valid. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of petty people in church. Sure. All of us are petty to one degree or another. Yeah. Um, but the pastor is called to take all of those uh, and evaluate them with a heart of humility mm-hmm. and through the lens of Scripture, right? Um, and the abuser will automatically <clears throat> often feign humility uh, and, and, and uh, put on a put on a show of authenticity mm-hmm. and give the appearance that they are authentic and, and, and open to critique and willing to listen and, uh, you know, wanting to hear other people's opinions. Um, but at the end of the day, no change happens. And it just shows that, that, you know, they, they don't actually really believe those things. Yeah. Um, and if you have a leader that, and this is this is this is where this is where things get get this is where things get dicey. But uh, if you have a leader that does that habitually and is constantly called in sin, does not repent, shows that kind of authoritarian mentality, the question of whether or not they should be in the role that they're in needs to be seriously asked. Well, on top of it too, like this is why it's so important that we have plurality of elders Seriously. within churches. If you like Josh and I can count the numbers on our hands times over yeah. of how many strong kind of uh doctrine leading churches were led by men who didn't have a plurality of elders and how bad it ended up for him. Yeah, I have never 
And I feel like that's the con- I feel like that is starting to get the common denominator over and over again. Maybe not for s- just spiritual abuse, but men who have committed adultery, yeah, and who have failed in their role as an elder. Um, they didn't have plurality of elders to yeah. back them up, and when you don't have that, and when you don't have other men having other men being accountable to them, it is not going to go well. No, no, no. If you are, you know, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. The, the plurality of elders, I believe is biblical and a necessity in Mm -hmm. order for the church to be healthy and the leadership of that church to remain healthy. Yeah. Not only that, but I mean, there's so many ways we can list off how it's, it's so important, not from just a biblical standpoint, but just a uh, a wisdom standpoint, how God just made the church to have and should have plurality of elders right. at every single local church body. Because mm-hmm. if we don't have that, man, I feel like there's a lot going on where guys can get puffed up. Yeah. yeah. Not only with pride, but with arrogance, with everything. And you can just be another statistics in the in the line of you're now the abuser category. Well, and I think it's not, it, you know, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't happen to just churches that just have one guy. Yeah. You know, true. It, 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 a huge, uh, you have to take into consideration also what the, uh, plurality of elders in your church actually looks like practically. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of churches that have, and have had a plurality of elders, meaning there were multiple men in the position of elder but the lead guy called the shots. Yeah. And the abuse still happened. Right? Yeah. Right. That was one. That was the situation in which one of the <laughs> one of the situations I found myself in is that there, there was a plurality of elders. Yeah. Uh, in the church. But it didn't stop this individual mm-hmm. from hurting a lot of people. Yeah. And kind of, uh, you know, doing a hostile takeover, if you will, of the church. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were hurt out of that. And the abuse still happened. So even with the plurality of elders, um, and even if the the other elders on that team are solid, which in, you know, the case where, where I was, there were solid elders <laughs> yeah. on that team. Solid dudes. Yeah. Um, the structure of the church... And the way that the leadership, uh, I think, was was structured in and of itself, I think, had the availability there for the one guy to kind of take over. Yeah. And so you have to really look into how how, how is the church leadership structured? Because even in the structure itself, it can it can create a system to where abuse is 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 more easily is is more easy to happen. Yeah. And in, and in Baptist life, we call them bylaws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love our bylaws. Oh my gosh. Uh, Robert, Robert's rules of order. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> Please second the motion. And I'm second just, the motion. and I'm just, I'm just saying that because <laughs> I know that's how, that's how pastors get away with that is yeah. they, they miss, they start to get into the weeds of the bylaws they and stuff change like the that. bylaws. And then nobody checks and balances. Nope. And then next thing you know, Boom. you got, you got a Mars Hill. Well, yeah, you got, <laughs> you got not only that, you got a ton of other stuff on your hands as well too. So, so the abuser will, will, uh, 
the abuser will give it will promote a distortion of the gospel, a, a, a huge lie uh, about the person of Christ. He will put himself above uh, critique and above the ability to be uh, authentically confronted with sin and, 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 and the evidence of that confrontation actually making a difference, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they'll often feign humility and, and feign, uh, feign the the appreciation of, of other voices speaking into their life other, other than their own or, um, you know, or those that they have kind of curated for themselves, which kind of gets into the, I guess, I guess the final point is the abusers will often create for themselves a safe group of people. Yeah. That for lack of a better term are basically yes men. Yeah, it, it 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 happens more than often. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think does. also to add to that as well too, there's going to be a narrative that's going to be created. Sure. There's going to be a narrative of the abuser that they are going to create, and they are going to try and use through those through that kind of inner circle of people that are trusted by them. And man, they are going to work that. They oh, are going to yeah. work that angle as best they can. Yep. And that is probably, that is where it gets, in my mind, I just remember when I say these things, like it brings up to mind a couple different pictures and man, does that just steam, steam my crawdads right well, it, now. Well, it does, well, <laughs> well, and you know, like I, I picture it like a spider's nest, right? Like at a certain point. You got to burn the house down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when so much damage has been done and so many lies have been told and the narrative is controlled by the abuser and by the abuser's uh, lackeys. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lack of a better term. Sure. Yeah. Again, again, it, it at a certain point, like the, the damage is irreversible mm-hmm. to the health of the church and the individuals that make up that church. Yeah. Right. And that is what is on the line. And that is what the abuser is willing to throw away Mm -hmm. for the sake of their own, their own gain. You know, what, whatever it is, whether it's financial or positional or, uh, you know, sexual, whatever it is, they are willing to throw away the sheep of God, Mm -hmm. the health of the church, and the person of Christ for themselves. Yeah. I know that's harsh, <laughs> but that's what the abuser is doing. Yeah. And unless they repent when confronted, the end result of that is a disqualification of uh, disqualification definitely for ministry yeah. at the beginning. And then I would say a very serious... Uh, self-examination of whether or not salvation is authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, those are some big things. And then on top of it, even just the eschatological things going forth, even when that person has to stand before Christ and they have to account for, Oh dude. Oh dude. Oh man. Their, their flock. How scary. That's going to be a bad place to be in. I'm not going to lie. Can you imagine, like, the the words of Christ 
what you did to my people, my sheep. Yeah. The reckoning will be. I mean, think about hellish. I mean, we have maybe only one example, I would say, of how an abuser became uh, redeemed. And that's basically Christ's work through Paul. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that guy was the most extreme abuser. Seriously. Yeah. Dude, straight up killing, Kill, killing, killing Christians. Christians. Yes. I mean, and that guy gets saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And, but I mean, the confrontation in that though, that Jesus had with Paul. Why are you persecuting me? Yeah. Um, man, I, I'm sure that that probably, there was some type of, I don't know if I can say as well as haunting, but something similar to that effect in Paul's life, I'm sure, uh, that that stuck with him for the rest of his life, no oh, doubt about I'm sure. it. I'm sure. And the fact that he can uh, dwell in just the light of Christ right now in eternity is something of a marvel and of a miracle, but for those men who are not going to heed those words at all, man, it is going to be a very, uh, it's going to be a weighty day yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the, yeah, for sure. So, for sure. Um, yeah. So it, those, those who are, are in leadership of the church in any facet, um, and even those who aren't say you are a member of the church, right? Um, the call to represent Christ well is paramount. And we need, as Christians, it is vital that we take our role as Christians, as ambassadors to Christ, both to the world and to one another. We need to take that seriously. Mm -hmm. And specifically to those that are in any form of leadership in the local church, be very careful with how you treat God's children because the the reckoning that will happen at the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> at the end of your life when you are called to account for how you led and how you did not lead, um, you want God to say to you, well done, you represented my son well. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, none of us are perfect. None of us are going to lead well. Excuse me. None of us are going to lead perfectly. Right. But through Christ, the ability to lead well is possible. <laughs> um, and we see the abuser in the church. When the person of Christ is forgotten, one's own agendas are seen as paramount and pride and arrogance take hold and people are hurt in the process. Mm -hmm. um, and that needs to be confronted. And that needs to be called out. Uh, and yeah, it's a serious thing, but it's a necessary thing because we're, we're dealing with people's souls here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're dealing with the health of the church. Yeah. And so many people have left the church because of crappy leadership. Mm-hmm that did not respond well when confronted of sin, 
we need to have that mentality when I am confronted in my life over sin, even if you didn't do it, like, yeah. like, like even if you believe you're innocent, respond with humility yeah. and grace yeah. and thank that person and thank the Lord that he has placed in your life individuals that love you enough to call you out when they think you're doing something wrong. Like that, yeah. that is a blessing mm-hmm. and too many pastors and leaders in church don't see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. You're either going to take people, um, basically asking and confronting you in a way that you think is helpful and is going to help you in your walk with Christ yeah. and in leading God's people or you're going to take it in a negative way and say, man, all these people can do is think about how terrible I am and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like, man, it's like, I'm actually pretty thankful of the times that people, um, even just small things, to be honest, it's like, Hey, it's like your tone's not right. It's like, you need to, you know, check your tone with this person. You need to do this. Even just that like makes me think about it's like, okay, how can I be purposely intentfully more loving towards that person? Right. More of a chance to love them better. If we don't have that kind of mentality, it's like, ugh. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I I don't know if you need to be in leadership because man, it is uh it's not going to get any easier from there. No, no, it's not. No, if you if your first reaction to someone confronting you is to put walls up and to be defensive, yeah, that is a major red flag. Yeah, Ma- major, major red flag. We yeah. need to be accepting of those and 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 thankful, thankful because I mean, what I mean, it is it is more more faithful uh, are the wounds of a friend. <laughs> Right. Than the kisses of an enemy. Yeah. Right. And and that that's part of being in the body of Christ is we look out for one another and having accountability as a leader in a church. You you, you absolutely need that. Otherwise, you become the abuser mm-hmm. and none of us want to be there. None of us. It is not a good place to be. It's a horrible place to be yeah. um, because the consequences that come from being the abuser are not consequences that you want uh, to have to deal with. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be in this headspace anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, I'm out uh, of I, and I'm out of popcorners. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I downed that bag of popcorners, the white cheddar, never fried, by the way, Jack. Which I don't. Then what are they? <laughs> If they didn't fry these, yeah, um, baked maybe. Did they bake them? They could have. The the Keebler elves that 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 one sixteen eighty nine er at the uh, Pop Corners <laughs> assembly line. He bakes these with care. Yeah, we love you. Yeah, you 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 gorgeous man. Thank you for our Pop Corners. <laughs> we appreciate you so much. Well, to get uh, us out of the headspacing and timing get us out, Jack, of get us all out. this, you can. Uh, There'll be more episodes to come on this and a little bit more in-depth from different angles, but if you'd like to check out more of our content, you can check us out on the Sociables, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, and on always the most liked, the most hated, 
the love, the hated, the Ooh. tweaker. Oh, yeah. Uh, the big one. Yeah. The big T. Yeah. <laughs> All of those you can find us at Reformatory Pod. And Josh, uh, tell them more about our Patreon as well. You know what, guys? We have a Patreon. And Patreon's important because Patreon allows us to do what we do without going into the poorhouse and having to work on the assembly line of popcorners. <laughs> For the cost of one bag of popcorners a month, I don't know about that. We don't have the we don't have the monetary these? breakdown of a popcorn. How bag. much are these? How much are these? How much are these? I, I, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. It, wait, is these expired? No, they are not. September tenth, twenty one. Oh, twenty one. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. That's okay, twenty twenty one. Sorry, I was looking at the one zero two one, and I was like September of one thousand twenty one. I was like, oh man. The early church. We, uh, the early yeah, church we're in a rough spot these. that year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh, you, too, can become a Patreon supporter and have your names hallowed. 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 Through the halls of this podcast. We thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you on the next ep of The Reformatory. The <laughs> Reformatory.